define League MX as the shoot your shot league. You do expect higher performances and better things from Club Americas, but it's the inconsistency. With the well, thing isn't with this inconsistent, though? I will maintain that the U.S. men's national team came out to the knockout round despite terrible coaching. Like, do they have a student discount, maybe, to go to a Club <laughs> Like, they got it, right? No. <laughs> Take that next step. I think it's still undisputed that you have to go to Europe. He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the No, I look back at highlights. No, that's, if that's you the have... Christian Pulisic treatment, though. Same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ralph Football Show. As always, I'm Lizzie, U.S. editor covering all things North American soccer for 90 slash U.S. Happy International Women's Day to all if you're listening live. And if you're listening later, then happy belated International Women's Day with my co-host, Gino Canelo. How are you? Yes, happy International Women's Day to you as well, Lizzie. Obviously, an integral part of what we do here at 90 Men U.S., um, along with all the other uh, 90 men, uh, you know, women that are, uh, you know, so integral to the part, uh, to the the company and, and what we do here. Happy International Women's Day to them. You guys do phenomenal work. Um, you guys work your butts off. Thanks. So, you know, you guys definitely deserve that appreciation. Um, how am I? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We have MLS, more MLS to talk about. Second week, we got a little bit more information on some of these teams, a little bit better, yep. you know, some cool moments. Um, so it's going to be exciting. And then, of course, you know, we'll talk about League MX and, uh, you know, CONCACAF Champions League. It is all it's starting back. to come together now. It's all starting to roll. And it seems like we have soccer in America here, uh, you know, every single day. So that's great. Yeah, it's in full swing. And before we know it, we have Nations League um, and international breaks. And then this summer of soccer that we have the Women's World Cup, CONCACAF Gold Cup, League's Cup. Everything and anything in between. Um, Major League Soccer's All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we really (laughs) just have it all. So to get started, lead us into MLS Match Day 2. Yeah, I mean, a lot to go over this week. Obviously, we can't touch on all of it. We will. um, We're not going to be able to touch on Match Day 3 today. But as always, we will, you know, as always from now on, we will always have a Twitter preview, (laughs) a Twitter Twitter Spaces preview show uh, for Match Day 3. That ours will take place tomorrow. Um, Still unsure of the time, so make sure you follow the account below my face here um, and look out for that time. Um, But that will be tomorrow. But in terms of Match Day 2, we think I think we have to start off with the two Los Angeles teams, the teams that didn't play, and specifically yeah. we have to start off with uh, LAFC. They get their rings. Um, just an unbelievable, you know, moment for them. First time yeah. winning the championship. Uh, we have the ring to show you guys too uh, to look at. So right here, I mean, a couple cool things about it, which I thought was very very awesome about the detail. Um, 67 diamonds, I think it was, for the amount of points that they scored uh, during the season. Um, there's 128 black diamonds on it for the 128th minute game tying goal by Gareth Bale in the MLS Cup final, and then 76 Crazy. white uh, total white diamonds um, on it for the amount of goals they scored uh, over the course of the season. So, I mean, very cool ring. But again, we saw LAFC. Uh, back in action. Uh, your thoughts on, you know, I guess the ring, their their action going with beating Portland 3-2. Your, your thoughts on everything LAFC related. I thought it was a very interesting start to the season for them. Obviously, we know their season opener against LA Galaxy at the Rose Bowl was postponed to July 4th due to bad weather and crazy snow conditions and rain. Um, odd to LA, but California it was a very Earth. interesting... Yeah, really. It's just very odd altogether. But it was interesting to see them come back. We know they had a couple of changes to their roster during the offseason. Chicharango predominantly. I mean, Gareth Bale, though, he played an integral part to the final. He was on and off during the season. So for me, it was more how the team was going to react without Chicho on that squad. And they did well. Portland is not an easy team by all means. I think last season was somewhat of a fluke for them. Injury oriented and just several changes from their end. But 
they're not an easy team to beat. I definitely didn't have um, Gellini scoring on my bingo card right away. <laughs> so that was great I don't to think see. anybody did. I'm not even yeah, sure Giorgio Chiellini really. had it on his bingo card. <laughs> um, so that was great. I think his celebration was was really sweet for those who say he he's not excited to be in LA or it's the downturn of his career. I just I think it was a wonderful goal and a wonderful team celebration altogether. But a great way to start the season and kind of ting, like saying no to that champion's curse that we hear all about constantly. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's, you kind of expected them to come out maybe a little flat. Obviously, there's a big question about who's going to score yeah. the goals now. Gareth Bale not there. Chicharango not there. They came out. They went up three nothing. Kind of silenced that completely. Again, they gave up two yeah. goals. Uh, you know, later and made it a little closer than it probably was. Um, three two. Uh, you know, Portland is like you said. Portland's not an easy team to go out there and and, and beat. So. For them to come out, they had one less week of preparation than uh, than Portland did. Portland's already played a game. A lot of things were working against LAFC, and they kind of put all that to the side and said, "Don't worry, we're still the champions." You know, so we're, we're yeah. they went out there, they took care of business. Um, obviously, you know, I'm sure a little hyped up with the championship ceremony, the banner, all that happening. Obviously, a packed house. Uh, new stadium name, BMO Field or whatever they're calling yeah. it now. I mean, there's 17 BMO fields in the MLS now. So, um, but yeah, so LASC came out. They came out hot, got their ring, showed everybody why they're the champs. They have the depth, and you know, obviously, we'll we'll see what they can do now moving forward. Again, when things start to calm down a little bit, and there isn't that adrenaline, they go on the road. Will they still be able to score those goals? But they did silence some of the critics uh, this weekend. Moving forward, though, to the other L.A. team who did not silence many critics without their uh, star striker, L.A. Galaxy, yeah. who had a very disappointing 3-1 loss to uh, FC yeah. Dallas. Um, Chicharito obviously did not play, still out with that injury. Your thoughts on the performance of the Galaxy? Uh, I have my own thoughts about Dallas, but uh, we'll start with the Galaxy. <laughs> um, well... I think it was interesting how they handled it without Chicharito. He obviously is out with a hamstring injury and he alone announced on Twitch that he'd be out for two to five weeks, but we know hamstring injuries are quite finicky sometimes. So whether that's extended or not will be very interesting. I think galaxy will suffer without him and they didn't necessarily make the right adjustments during the off season. They did have some additions, some defenders, um, we saw a loan for a Julian Araujo replacement, but they just didn't live up to the expectations, which was disappointing because it's not like FC Dallas had a phenomenal game either. I'm particularly interested by Efrain Alvarez, um, the Mexican forward part of the Galaxy. He didn't see many minutes last season, and I'd like to see him thrive this season. If anything, right now is the chance because Chicharito's off on the sidelines. So it's really up to Greg Vanny to lean on him and utilize that going forward. But though he may look young, I think he's 23 or 22 or 23 now. So he really needs to step it up. And maybe if yeah. he gets consistent minutes, he will. But that's the most interesting aspect for me on that team. Ricky Bugh still a lot left to be desired. He's fast. He's quick on the ball sure but it's still a promise at this point yeah i mean uh ricky Pouge, like he did not have a good game in this one like no. he did not get on the ball nearly enough in this game and even no. when he was on the ball he kind of was neutralized so yeah. not a great game from him coming out as really being that star minus chicharito that guy who really is supposed to be able to run that offense so um not a great player, game from him. we know Exactly. The designated player, you know, getting, getting paid that money. That's so it's important. You got to perform, you know, there's, there's only three slots for designated players. So if you're not performing as a designated player, um, that's a problem. So he needs to step it up. Obviously they struggled to score without a real, without a, a defined striker. Um, that is a defined starter and has been a defined starter. Obviously I think it's Jovalich uh, started the game He's a guy who we talked about on our Twitter Spaces preview last week, me and Edwin, um, and we talked about it and said this is a guy who, who was able to score off the bench, but was he going to be able to do it uh, in you know a game and, and look effective in a game? 
Now I believe I believe he scored the only goal of this one. I have mm-hmm. to double check, but still was not on the ball and was not as much of a presence in that four position as I'm sure the LA Galaxy would have liked. And this is not the result the LA Galaxy needed after all of the uh, kind of fan anger that's been pointed towards Chris Klein and the Galaxy organization leading up to this yeah. season. So not what you want to see from the LA Galaxy side. FC Dallas, on the other hand, I feel I didn't think I thought they had a good, a decent game, a pretty solid game. I thought that they were able to control the game basically from start to finish. They didn't really allow LA Galaxy to do too much, whether that is LA Galaxy just being (laughs) poor or FC Dallas actually imposing their will. That's maybe a different question to be asked. Obviously, Jesus Ferreira gets on the score sheet twice this match for the first time this season. Um, after coming back from the World Cup, after having a great season last year, goal-scoring-wise. So good for Dallas that they could get going at home against LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy-wise, this is not a good look for them in their first match of the season, for sure. No, and it was disappointing because it doesn't seem like a team that's been practicing for six consecutive weeks. I feel like this is their first preseason game back from vacation, back from international break, it seemed like there was no connection between the back line Mm -hmm. when obviously it's so important to have communication. And we saw those errors come in, allowing three goals. And I maintain they weren't necessarily phenomenal goals by Jesus Pereira. So they really should have stepped up and done a lot better when it came to defending that. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward, how they react again. It was their first game of the season, even though it's um, match day two. So if they pick up and react to that going forward, that's great. Um, Genuine worry or overreacting. I don't know. I think genuine worry is the lack of communication with these players that know each other and have Mm. been together for a long period of time. So. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's not a genuine worry, but it doesn't help the situation. You know, it's not this was again a, a team that was had some turmoil coming into the season off the pitch, a team that kind of needed a win and needed to not maybe not even needed a win, but needed to look good against FC Dallas yeah. uh, in their first match. Didn't get what they needed to get, and it doesn't help the situation anymore. It doesn't hurt the situation anymore, probably. It's game one of 38, so or however many they play. I think it's 38. So um, it's not like it's a major, major issue, but it also didn't look good on the pitch for like strong portions of that game. So I think and- it's not a genuine reason to worry, but I do think that it's it's not helping the situation. It's definitely not, and I think even more concerning that people are looking to Chicharito's injury as the excuse for the performance when the attack wasn't necessarily the most concerning aspect of what happened on that field. It was the defense, and everyone was intact, barring, obviously, Julian Araujo, but he left a little bit ago. You should have had that handled. And, I mean, again, they did attack that left side of the pitch, which would have been Julian Araujo's side, a, a decent amount. Um, you saw Velasco attacking down that side. I believe at points they switched Paul Ariola to that side. And it seemed like there was a lot flowing down that left side where Julian Araujo would have been. Um, but still, again, you're right. It, it's not the, the rest of the defense should have a pretty good familiarity with each other. So that's, that's right. a little bit of an issue. Um, moving forward. Now we'll move over from the Western conference teams over to the Eastern conference uh, we had a big matchup this weekend. We had a couple big matchups. Orlando, since he didn't really live up to the hype, a 0-0 draw. No, but Inter-Miami-Philly, really Inter-Miami-Philly, the big game, a big one we've talked about a lot on the preview <laughs> show. Inter-Miami gets a 2-0 win over, over league, uh, you know, league champions from last year. Uh, excuse me, uh, conference champions from last year. Uh, Philadelphia Union, a team that was coming off a 4-1 win at home. Um your thoughts on the Miami performance? Are they the new? I mean, obviously this might be an overreaction, but <laughs> you got to say it when Philly is the team that everybody kind of expected to be the best again. Is Inter Miami better than we expected, and possibly the new big dog in the East? Ooh, okay. 
I would tone that down just a little bit. I don't think there's a big know. dog in the East just yet. Even Phil Neville said it after the game. Um, we aren't super happy at the moment. It wasn't the best performance we could have given. So I'm not overly excited about our achievement quite yet. I do agree they are way above what they provided last season. They're doing a lot better and kind of riding off I mean, riding off the momentum at the end of the 22 campaign, which is great. It's nice to see Miami doing well. My only concern at the moment is the fact that these fresh young faces are making an impact while players like Leo Campana are injured and whether that's going to change the dynamic of the squad once he comes back. Is Phil Neville going to insert Leo Campana and potentially slow down the team or change the dynamic? That would be a huge concern because they're doing so well right now. But when considering seniority, there's a conversation to be had, especially because he did score last season. So that's something to watch on our end. But yeah, they are doing better. But Philadelphia also extremely disappointing. Miami took advantage of that, sure, and they did well. But Philly was extremely disappointed and for the second time now, because as we'll get into with the CONCACAF Champions League, they were extremely disappointing against Alianza as well, using players mm-hmm. like Carranza and Gazdag. So it might just be... In, this- fairness, in fairness, Gazdag and Carranza didn't come out on until about 15 minutes left in the game yesterday. But I know what you're no, saying it was, about this interview. It was about... No, I believe they came in at minute 62. 62, so okay. Maybe, a, yeah, maybe it was a little quite bit. Quite a little bit to so make yeah, like an impact. I mean... Yeah, I mean, we can talk about Jim Curtin's um, disrespect to use a B team, but that's <laughs> we'll get into that later. Listen, Sometimes. we'll get into it later. Was well, yeah, I don't know if it's disrespect, but we'll get into it later. Oh, okay. But yes, what, what so against Inter Miami, no, they were still disappointing. Yeah. They were still disappointing against Inter Miami. That doesn't take credit away from their victory. I think they maximized on the opportunity. Yeah. Great potential, great goals. Um, Robert Taylor, phenomenal strike. But Philly Unreal. needs to step up. You can't ride from the first victory, especially because what was it? Um, was it against the crew? Correct. Uh, it was, was against it the crew, Rapids. the Columbus Crew. Under no, it was under the Columbus. against the Columbus Crew. What I will say about yeah, Philly's that, win against well, the Columbus crew is there was two penalties in that game, so kind of, yeah. um, you know, lopsides the score a little bit more than than it probably should have been. And, and you know, Wilfred Nancy still working with that team to get them to play the way they want. Um, right. But again, I mean, Philly, yes. I, I think it's right to say that Philly has been disappointing. Um, again, they scored four goals, but they've only scored two goals from open play so far this season, including last night's Champions League Uh 0-0 draw. So um, that's a problem. You know, everybody expected this team to be even better than they were last season because they kept everybody and made additions. Yeah. And I think to start off this season, they have a little bit of growing pains here with, you know, I mean, we know we've, you know, I know that that loss to LAFC obviously hurt and they're looking to get back on, you know, back up. And, I, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure on them in a, again, as I will say over and over again, what, what seems to be a weak East to just go out and steamroll everybody. Um, but they yeah. haven't looked good. They haven't looked good in the, in the two matches that they've played in the MLS. Um, you know, again, even though they won four one, that was a great match by them. Um, they did no, go down one, nothing in that game. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I will say, and I think this is to Edwin's happiness barring inner Miami, we've seen a very slow start to the major league soccer season. I think mm-hmm. no team has truly taken the reins or impressed with their capacity to take over. I've seen very much a transition from what is like preseason to the MLS mm-hmm. season. Disappointing. I don't know. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if players are getting now into shape. I'm, I'm not sure, but <laughs> Edwin wants to know your thoughts on Phil Neville, who uh, DeAndre Edlin says preaches togetherness. So your thoughts yeah. on the togetherness that Phil Neville is sharing with this team. Everybody everybody seems to like Phil Neville except for you, Lizzie. I don't dislike Phil Neville. Well, I dislike <laughs> what he did with the um, England's women's team. But beyond fair, that, fair. I think he's 
great when it comes to motivational speaking. I think he does do well on that end. And I'm sure when DeAndre Yedlin says he preaches togetherness, he does have a very united locker room. However, Mm -hmm. when it comes to tactics and specifics, I think he's absolutely lost. I like he has no clue. And I say this after a couple interviews with him, one in particular last season, I asked him before the start of the 22 campaign, what his style was going to be on the pitch. And he just had no response. Like he had no, nothing to say. And I don't mean in the way that Luchi Gonzalez answered us and said, Hey, I'm keeping that a secret for now, but my boys know what's going on. We have our system down. Phil Neville didn't have a system. He, he didn't have a style. He didn't have a system. He didn't have tactics in place. I, I truly think it works when he says, get out there and do your best. And these players do their best and they win, which is great. But, but the concerning aspect is if they're three nil down in the middle of a game, they look to you to make those necessary changes and analyze what's going on on the field. And I don't think he has the capacity to do that very well. Yeah, but is that like, a, but I don't know. I feel like it's, I feel like it's okay. I mean, the subs that he's made have had impacts. It's not like he's had, hasn't had like at least this But what season. challenge has like, they, like what challenge have they faced at the moment? I mean, they were only one nothing. It's not like they were up two nothing the whole game. I mean, they were, they, they were only up one nothing at, you know, until Taylor's goal. Like not it, it's not like it was. Yeah, but I think still you have to, as a coach, you have to figure out a way to make sure that the other team doesn't score a goal through 90 minutes. Yeah, but I wouldn't credit him for that. <laughs> but, but he had to make the changes. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, Lizzie. It, it sounds like you're... No. I, again, I <laughs> think he's a great motivational speaker. I think these players love him and rally around him. And I think as long as there's like good results, like he will continue to do well. But I personally don't trust him to sit, read a game, analyze what's going on and make the necessary, I don't even want to say adjustments, but like, I just feel like he can't read a game or analyze what's going on tactically. At what point, at what point do, at what point in this season do you say, okay, maybe Phil Neville has somewhat of an idea of what he's doing? Like, what do they have to do? Um, I think when they face, Western Conference Giants, they're down by two, and he gets that 4-2 comeback win and is top four in the Eastern Conference. Then I will give it so he, to so the Phil Neville has hype. To, he, he has to be down. He has to be down in a game to a Western Conference like title contender Giant. and then yeah. come back and win it. And that's when you'll let him <laughs> that's yeah, when you'll give him credit. A couple comeback victories. And top four of the Eastern Conference, and I will give in to the ridiculous 90-min Phil Neville hype. <laughs> we're, we're pushing the 90-min Phil Neville bias <laughs> yeah. here on. This has nothing to do with Phil Neville being a uh, former Everton player either, by the way. Um, oh, so, yeah. Um, but yes, no, I, listen, I, I, I agree that there still needs to, there's still a lot to be desired, but beating the Eastern Conference champs from last year, uh, an Eastern Conference champ team that, that didn't lose many players. Granted, it was at home. They have played their first two games at home. They still need to go away. So that's something that needs to be be figured out. But I think Miami is, is starting to live up to the hype a little bit. Um, and, and this is a big step in the right direction. It may not be all of it. They may not be the new big dogs in the East, but it is a massive, massive step in the right direction for Miami. So... Yeah. Um, moving on now to uh, probably the biggest party in all of MLS this past weekend. Uh, we go to St. Louis, the beautiful city park, brand new facility that they've built now with their expansion franchise. I have been there. It's stunning. Um, they opened up their new stadium this past weekend to a crowd of 22,423 people, which is about like 70 people less than their capacity. So, <laughs> We'll call it a sellout crowd. Um, sellout crowd. It was an interesting game for sure because <laughs> everything sure. that could have possibly happened in a soccer match happened in this game. Yeah. You had own goals, yeah. penalties, the you know deflections, bad passes out of the back. I mean, I don't want to say it, but like 
in a way, Charlotte kind of handed them this game because yeah. everything that was good for St. Louis came from a massive Charlotte mistake. Um, yeah. But for a second week in a row now, we've seen. Yep. And, and that leads questions about Charlotte, which, you know, is a little worrying because they haven't scored a goal or no, they scored one goal this season. Great in this match. They, they lost this match. 3-1 to St. Louis, um, Enzo Capetti getting the the goal, their new addition there. But um, in terms of St. Louis, I mean, I don't know what you thought. Atmosphere looked unbelievable there. This, I mean, we've talked about it over and over again. This is a soccer city, and they were ready yeah. for this. Um, and it just looked like a great time. It looked like everybody was, you know, just enjoying themselves and getting that win, and I'm sure they fed off that. But uh, getting that win is is a huge step in the right direction now. As St. Louis is only the fourth MLS franchise ever to win their first two matches uh, in the MLS, um, and the first since LAFC in 2018. So, all good yeah. from them. Yeah, great job. Um, no, I thought it was super exciting for them to see how they were doing. The fans deserve this. They've been great since their franchise was announced in 2020. Caroline Kindle, the um, owner and president of St. Louis City FC, has done a phenomenal job of rallying the city. And again, we know it's Soccer City, so it's not difficult, but they've just done a phenomenal job of establishing who they are and the atmosphere that they want to build at City Park. So much deserving from the fans' perspective. And as a team, I think it's great. Like, not because they've been handed errors, but because they're maximizing on them. Mm -hmm. Though they have been lucky, granted, I'm not necessarily seeing a team that's just been together for six weeks. I feel them united and communicating with one another as if this two-year-old team just coming back. I saw them better than I did Charlotte, and it's not Charlotte's inaugural season anymore. It's their second campaign in Major League Soccer. And it's something unique that both um, Joao Klaus and Romy Burke spoke on during MLS Media Day in January that they didn't think that the team would be so united at this point as they were. And at in that point, they were just in preseason. So I can't even imagine now having their own installations, training every week together and in St. Louis at home. So good on them. Yeah. I'm... Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. No, no. I just, they, they have been lucky. I do want to stress that they have been lucky, but they've also managed their luck well. Yes. I mean, again, you see, you know, with the back pass out of the back, you still have to put the ball in the back of the net with the penalty. You still have to put the ball in the back of the net. The own goal obviously is a luck factor, but again, they they have looked very, no. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I agree that they've been very lucky because again, we talked about it last week, the Jared Stroud back pass thing that happened against Austin. Um, You know, that's just, uh, I mean, it still would have been two, two after that. Um, But that's you know you don't get all three points with that and you know who knows what the what the the result of this one would have been without the own goal and the penalty you know it's a lot of luck involved in that but um they have looked much better than i think a lot of people expected them to look like i mean i know for example like i don't think either of us expected them to get wins in their definitely not their first match and um definitely definitely not. not in the first two matches um maybe a couple draws but they have looked very solid. Um, so yeah. that's huge. And it's not like they haven't faced adversity. Like they were they were down 2-1 against Austin in Austin. So this is a team that looks a lot more solid than a lot of people expected them to look, especially defensively. Um, yeah. But long season to go. And I guess you, you kind of answered the question already. Are we underestimating them? Are we? Is this a team that can carry this through? I, I think it might be. I think it might be a team that can fight probably not get in the playoff spot by the end of it. But now that there's nine teams in the playoffs, I think that they'll be part of the mix towards the end of the season. Um, So I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think there's going to be ups and downs and, you know, uh, granted we'll talk about Austin a little bit, a team that I don't think either of us has thought has impressed so far this season Um, and a Charlotte side who's only in their second season, but um, you know, we'll see how they perform against the LASCs of the world, the Philadelphia unions of the world. But Six points from two games tied at the top of the league. You really can't, you can't ask for anything more than that. So huge from that. I disagree um, with you. Not, not on that. No, huge win. Yes. But I disagree with you. I do think they'll make the playoffs. 
I see them okay. a lot more con- consistent than a couple other teams who've also gotten victories um, this past mm-hmm. match day. I don't know. I think it all started when they started building their roster. They catered yeah. to the needs of Major League Soccer instead of trying to sign this attractive new name to call into fans. I, I don't think they held that net, like pressure in particular because it's Soccer City and fans were going to come yeah. out anyway. So they built to what the league requires and they've done well. So I don't know. Well, I and and their, their academy is like a very big part of their team already. Their MLS Next Pro yeah. team. They've built from the academy and they've already been signing players from the academy. One of which Perez, who we saw make an appearance in this game um, yeah. at just, I think, 17 years old. So they are building from the academy. They're not trying to, again, as you said, a lot of these teams come in and just sign these big playoffs or playoffs. I saw the word playoffs at the bottom. <laughs> of um, sign these big players. Um, and they didn't do that. They were just like, we're going to yeah. kind of make sure we get the right players for the right fit. They bought in a, they brought in a big name, I guess a bigger name and, and Berkey to play goal, playing goal. But, Klaus is not someone who many people are familiar with. He's only 25. Um, he's already had a great start to the season. So it seems like they've built this team the right way. And not only yeah. to just succeed in this season or the next season, but to succeed throughout the future. And that's a, a massive, you know, a, a massive thing to worry about. So really good job by St. Louis City. Um, the only reason I say I'm not sure they make it in the playoffs is because um, the West is the West. It's, it's significantly better than the East. Thinking in the yeah. East, they might have a little bit easier time, but uh, definitely a great start for them. And then uh, just a couple things we need to touch on before we wrap this up and get into CONCACAF Champions League. But Lizzie, your dark horse actually won a game this they week. They won! Look at that. They I'm saw so it out. I'm so happy. <laughs> we need to oh give it. It's International Women's Day. We need to make sure Lizzie gets gets this in there. She made a very good pick with San, San Jose. So, uh, you know, obviously... They looked good. Your thoughts on just seeing them again? Obviously, it's two games in two games in a row now where they've looked good, but this is the first win. So, yes, um, I will say they looked great, as we said last time against Atlanta United. It was absolutely impossible to save those Tiaguanamada free kicks and those goals. Like absolutely impossible. So, barring that, they could have won there. Which Mercedes Benz yep. is an unreal atmosphere and a great location to play at very difficult for the opponent so kudos there but yes they finally won their home opener first win under Luchi Gonzalez the new head coach and as they are boasting on their social media channels a new era which I truly think it is these players have talent Jeremy Ebobise I believe his last name is pronounced Uh, has potential Abobasi. That's how it is. I okay. kept forgetting how to pronounce it. It's Abobasi. That's <laughs> yeah. what they said on the broadcast, at least. My Spanish will um, get me every time, but he. <laughs> I thought has it was Abobasi too. <laughs> He's gotten on the score sheet. He's doing great. Um, Kate Cowell did not, but he still has the potential to go far. As we reported earlier, he's been scouted by a couple of European teams now, and he's being looked at constantly because he does have that talent. So. First win, but um, the first of many, I predict. They're doing well, and they're a contender. I don't think they'll be, again, I don't think they'll be top four in the West because it's a very difficult year for the West. But I do think they'll make playoffs and definitely not end in the last place like they did last season. Yeah, they they don't look like they'll do that. They do have a lot of – their wings are very, very good. Cade Cowell is – uh, he looked very good, did not score, but looked very good and, right. and missed a couple key chances. He could have scored in this one, just uh, did not take his yeah. chances. And I guess that's the only thing that worries me about this team, San Jose, because this game could have been a lot better or looked a lot better from a right. scoreline perspective. They missed a bunch of key chances in this one, last game as well. So um, they need to take advantage of that if they're going to you know, continue on the success and build on this success. But they looked very good against Vancouver, and, and Vancouver is a team that, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if if they're going to be that great this season. But you need to get. You know, San Jose went in. They did the job. They took control of the game. Cade Cowell looks amazing in a cowboy hat with a mustache. Okay. I mean, that's stunning. 
That's stunning. I mean, I don't, I love it. It's my favorite look of all time. What a look. I see. I wanted to do this thing where I see I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go skiing in a little bit. Not, not today, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) sometime this month, I wanted to do the mustache with the 80s ski suit, but the the mustache with the cowboy hat looks really good. I I think he pulls it off. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely the wild west. Definitely the wild, wild west. Keep it at the west. <laughs> Fashion icon Cade Cowell. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wonder how. I wonder how it's, that it. that look would be received in like Europe. If he were to move to Europe, you think he could pull off that? I feel like that would be received just, very poorly in Europe. I'm gonna take it closer to home, just New York. <laughs> just like just downtown. New York. No, I think you can pull it off in New York. Striding down Manhattan, just like. I don't know. At least not in Miami. (laughs) He's a Texas boy, right? I mean, that's I'm assuming why I'm assuming this is just not a fashion trend. He's I'm pretty sure he's a Texas boy. No, I think he was born in California. No, he was born in California. Yeah. Oh wow, that's an interesting look for a California kid. I'm not. I'm not. not, I'm kind of surprised by that. But nonetheless, our fashion device is really not important to anybody on this podcast. Um, No. San Jose looks great. Good call by you. Um, They should. They should continue here as long as they can, again, you know, work on their finishing and get Score. that ball in the back of the net a little bit more. Yeah. Um, let's move on to team and let's move on to CONCAP Champions League first before we talk about okay. this team. Can you just, you know, for the audience, the wider audience here, yes. let's describe what CONCACAF Champions League is because we are not, um, you know, in America, I feel like a lot of people do not know what CONCACAF Champions League is. They don't even know it exists. Um, I think now yeah. with the MLS being winning last year, people are st- it's starting to come on their map a little bit more. So let's talk a little bit, just explain what a CONCACAF Champions League is and how it works from all the different perspectives. Yes. So CONCACAF Champions League is an international tournament featuring CONCACAF's best teams. So usually each league, domestic league, gets a certain amount of spots and the best teams are then going to the tournament so north america in particular has or mls in particular has five spots um mls cup winner eastern conference western conference winner um then canada has whoever wins the canadian championship winner usually it's an mls team because it's either um whitecaps montreal or toronto this year was whitecaps so they're there liga make these teams are present i believe there are Four Liga Mekis teams present at the moment. Oh, here makes it so much easier. Thank you, Edwin. Um, yeah, so there's from Haiti, we have El Salvador, Honduras, and Liga Mekis, MLS, Canada. The best of the best come to the CONCACAF Champions League. And I think the only way to describe it is chaos. It is absolute chaos to see I was on, every I team. Was on mute. Oh. I just had a question. I had a question. Okay, yeah. um, okay. Can you just explain? <laughs> can you can you just explain how? So obviously for El Salvador, Honduras, Canada, it's easy to figure out how those teams get in there. But for mm-hmm. for teams in the MLS and teams in League MX, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do those teams qualify for the Concacaf Champions League? So for MLS, it's MLS Cup winner, then Supporter Shield winner, then Eastern Conference and Western Conference. And then Canada um, Championship. And then for Liga Mekis, it's Apertura winner, Clausura winner, and I believe runner-ups. Um, usually, and it I, I think a little... I think for U.S. too, it's U.S. Open Cup winner. U.S. Open that? Cup. Yeah, the yeah. U.S. Open Cup winner as well. So that would make okay. it Orlando City. So MLS in general has five, as we said, um, MLS Cup. Eastern Conference winner, Western Conference winner, Supporter Shield winner, and U.S. Open Cup winner. It becomes difficult with MLS in particular because sometimes you have double winner, like we did yeah. with LAFC last season. So you have to go um, with runner-up, which is very interesting, as we saw with Austin FC. Um, that's why yeah. they're there. In the Western Conference, they were runner-up to LAFC. So, yeah, that's what we have. It's an international tournament. Best of the best. Chaos. And yesterday Very was nice. the first the first leg of the 2023 campaign. And it was, in fact, chaos. 
It was, yes. No, it was chaos. And we'll start with that team you just mentioned, Austin FC. Um, yes. MLS, CONCACAF Champions League, they have not looked good. Let's just be straight up about it. Like, they have not looked not good, good at, is at all. A, is an understatement. I mean, this is a team that Lizzie had winning the whole thing. I mean, how could you even make that that's prediction? Embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It, um, I mean, it's more embarrassing pick, for them, but... Yeah, I was going to say, my pick is as embarrassing as their performance last night against Violet. Um, for context, Violet is a Haitian team, and both Austin FC and Violet faced each other in the Dominican Republic because of just scenes in Haiti and how that league is handling itself at the moment. So they went to a neutral ground and Austin FC lost three nil to Violet. That third goal was an own goal. Great goal. Just in the wrong net. Um, they put it in the net last night. They, That's important. Yeah. To know, you know. Yeah. Which net mm, they probably confused it, but the you know, it was an embarrassing loss. Josh Wolf, head coach of Austin FC, has since come out and said it's completely on me. I forgot or I didn't prepare my team well mentally. I forgot to kind of show them that. I Congress forgot this game was coming up. <laughs> yeah, I think he basically just said I, I failed to prepare them for the different animal or different beast that was the CONCACAF Champions League. And yeah, he definitely did that. But he played like their B team. So you didn't failed to prepare them you just didn't play them which yeah i think is overestimating your substitutes because it and also i mean we can get into this because philly also did this and played their necessary well team. let's talk about why it. are you resting right players now, no why are you resting players it's the second it's the second week of the season why are you resting players you need to get them into the rhythm it's literally match day two. It was after match day two. You shouldn't be resting anybody. Are you afraid they're going to get injured? It, what are you doing? I mean, I think it's I think it's fair. I think that's a fair point. No. Why would you rest two weeks in? But at the same point, like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like from a Philly perspective, like I feel like their depth is probably good enough. They they should have been good enough to be win yesterday. No? Like they definitely should like have Jack been. Jack McGlynn enough, is on their would. bench. Right, no, they're good to hold probably a 1-0. It was disappointing yeah. from their substitutes. But at this point, why are you aiming for a 1-0? You should aim for a 5-0. Why are you resting I mean, yeah. these players who need to get into the rhythm of it all and understand a lot of these teams have never been in the CONCACAF Champions League and you're playing yeah. the substitutes from the get-go? Are you not trying to teach them what this competition is about and expose them to the new aspects of an international tournament play no, your make, players you know, makes sense makes sense no that makes sense i mean again the austin one doesn't make sense because i think austin should just be playing players yeah. because clearly their start has not been good and i guess philly probably in the same way right um i just look at it as you know again it's 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 different so the way this i think it would be easier to say rest the players in the CONCACAF Champions League if, you know, per se, rest some players, right? Like rest a few players if there was a group stage and it wasn't two round knockouts. Yeah, I guess two leg knockout. I think at least then you'd be like, okay, well, if this guy doesn't play every single group stage game, they're playing most of their players and they, you know, would yeah. most of their players throughout the group stage and they'll get through. It's not, they're not worried about getting through, right? Whereas think, in a two leg, in a two leg race, it's it's a little bit different. Or in a two leg, I mean, game. I think it's different. I think, and I said this in the beginning. I think the team that has a decent amount of depth to their roster has the ability to win this tournament. However, yeah. you're not balancing MLS playoffs, Leagues Cup, and Concacaf Champions League all at the same time. It's a it's and a U.S. Open game. Cup. And U.S. Open yeah, Cup. It's it, a midweek game yeah. after two regular season matches. Your team is not up to par with even other MLS teams. You just lost to Inter-Miami. Talking about Philly. Um, you just lost yep. to Inter-Miami. Why are you resting your best players and having Carranza come in at minute 62 to save the 0-0? 
I, yeah. I simply don't understand. And, and these coaches, Jim Curtin, Josh Wolf, they talk about the valuable experience that you gain from playing year after year. And you have the best opportunity to expose your players to essentially a great experience and you shield them from that. I, I, yeah. It's and I mean, Orlando me did. Understand. Orlando was a little similar. They did not play their full starting lineup either. I don't think. Um, so I wonder, they I'll be interested better, to see though. today, but they did better. And, and, and I'll be interested to see what the situation is tonight with the Vancouver Whitecaps, right? They have an extra day of yeah. rest. So it's like, instead it's Saturday to Tuesday, it's, it'll be Saturday to Wednesday now. Right. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if the Vancouver Whitecaps decide to go with a full starting lineup. So um, definitely, yeah, no, I, I agree mean, with you. I, I see what you're saying. I think the only reason I said disrespect before is using Orlando as an example. They probably rested, I think, one player to their starting 11, but really went all out because yeah. Tigres is yeah. a difficult opponent and it's a Liga Mekis team. Should Austin FC or Philadelphia Union have faced Pachuca or Tigres, I don't necessarily think they would have played their B team. I so I, it's an, it's underestimating your opponent. And I think these results was the best wake up call for these MLS coaches who think they are above certain teams of the CONCACAF champions league. Austin is facing an impossible uphill battle against Violet, a position Josh Wolf never imagined that he would be in wake up call. Yeah. I mean, but yes, I agree. I don't know. The disrespect, I don't know as much because would you say like Bayern Munich starting their B team against like Red Star would be disrespectful if they tied 0 0? No, but that's different. What I mean is they played their B team knowing that they were an easy CONCACAF opponent. They weren't worried. They're no, like, no, but we'll play our B team. It doesn't matter. It's a Haitian team whose league has seen interruptions constantly. We're going to win, even with our B team. And you you lost 3-0. Like an embarrassing 3-0. No, I understand. I guess I'm just looking at it more as like, if like a European team was going up against like, say like the, I don't know. I don't even know where Red Star Belgrade is from, but like a, a team that was in a lower league, like there were a premier league team, like Manchester city playing a team that's in a lower league. I feel like they rest their starters a lot of time too. Um, I think it depends I, I what position, like what position and timing you're in, in the season. If Austin yeah, FC no, was fair. playing the Western conference final on Saturday, rest all the players that you want, but don't think you're above that's any fair. team at, after two games. When That's of, fair. I mean, like, Austin one FC of which you also very lost. Much, yeah, I mean, Austin FC very much. And they sh- probably, honestly, they, they almost lost. They almost tied and did not score a goal against uh, Montreal either, who Montreal is not yeah. as good as they were last year. So, no, uh, that's fair. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on? <laughs> anything else you want to touch on with uh, CONCACAF Champions League? Oh, so much. First and foremost, I want to highlight the best thing that happened during, oh, yes, during the Philadelphia against Alianza game. It was a mediocre 0-0 performance by both sides. And it was the dog, the lovely little dog, the dog. that interrupted the game. <laughs> the best boy it, it, just made a beeline for the ball. <laughs> I was watching this game with my wife, and she does not really watch soccer that much. Um, but she like was like, looked up from her computer and she just goes, Oh my God, there's a dog on the field. I was there's like, Oh, would you look at that? <laughs> so a Honestly, very, I mean, a very good boy. Very good boy. A very good boy. Um, I just started yelling dog, um, until Luis, my husband came out and was like, I, what, what? And he saw the dog. So that was a lovely little appearance to a very, very boring zero, zero game. Um, yeah, but before we rough. head into Liga Mekis, we have to talk about Orlando City versus Tigres. Very surprising 0-0 result. Very lucky for Orlando City. Tigres dominated the entire match. They really, I think it was some very poor crosses into the box, but they should have scored on at least three occasions. And now Orlando benefits from that because the second leg obviously is at home. And without obviously 
Andre Pierre Guignac, who has come out and said he will probably not, or he hasn't, not probably, he, for personal reasons, does not travel to the United States. We saw that during MLS All-Star as well, and a couple other friendly um, Tigres matches in the United States, and we know it's because of his vaccination status. He is not vaccinated and can't come into the country, so he will not feature in the second leg, most likely this time around as well, if, fo- if following patterns. So Orlando City really lucky there. Yeah. You know, Orlando City, definitely the best of the results, considering they did not yeah. score a goal. Um, you know, just really good um, job on them just being able to keep Tigres out of the net. Um, obviously, obviously, Pedro uh, Galice is, you know, there has been their star player so far this season. Yeah, I yeah. think he's been, I don't think he's given up a goal this season. I think he's, yeah. they beat whoever, they, they played Red Bull one nothing, and then uh, 2-0-0 draws and back-to-back. So, yeah. um, good on them. Um, for keeping that out. And like you said, going to Orlando against the Tigres team that's going to be out with, without Gignac um, is is going to be a plus for Orlando yeah. City. And, you know, not being able to go back to Orlando and possibly knock out Tigres, who are always a favorite to win this tournament, I feel yeah. like. Um, I, I think that's that, that would be huge, not only for Orlando, but for the, for the MLS's hopes of winning CONCACAF Champions League yeah. again this season. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't underestimate Nico Ibañez and Gorrián, but it's definitely a leg up not having Guignac there yeah. to headline that attack. So Orlando City, very lucky on that end, and we will see what happens in a couple weeks' time. But they're definitely the winners of these MLS teams in the CONCACAF Champions League, barring the Vancouver Whitecaps, who, as you said, played tonight. Yes. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Whitecaps tonight. They take on um, Real Espana. I don't know where do, you may know. You may know where they're from, um, but uh, they're at home. They're at home. Yeah. So uh, Vancouver is going to get a chance tonight to take that, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunity now to go up in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, it's an important one for them because they have not looked good so far this season. So um, yeah. we'll see what happens with uh, Vancouver. Um, and it'll be interesting to see they've taken leads in both of the games that they've played. I yeah. believe they, I, they took a lead in both of the games they played and they were unable to hold on to that lead or expand on that lead. It'll be interesting to see if they get a lead tonight, if they'll be able to, uh, to hold on or, or expand on that. Um, but I think that's it from CONCACAF champions league and LS. What do you got for us? League MX? Well, what do I have for you? Cruz Azul lost three to one this against is, Mazatlan. This is the thing. We're, we're not talking about it. Skip to the next topic. We're not talking about it. We didn't talk about it for two weeks. And they won three games. We're skipping Mazatlan. over. We're skipping over. <laughs> Mazatlan, like really, just one of the worst teams this season. After eleven games, one of the absolute worst bottom bottom team. Um, defeated Cruz Azul three to one. That was phenomenal. No one expected that. Great to watch. I enjoyed that. Gino, did you? I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> I have no comment. That's, um, I, I mean, come on. Great sports reference. Come on. Great sports yeah, reference. Yeah, I'm sure love, that's what the reference is. We love that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure in the locker room they were <laughs> quoting Marshawn Lynch. Um, get this. this so frustrating, man. They win three in a Ooh. row. They get the worst team in the league, and they just a shoe in. Take an Should ab- have been a shoe ab- in. Yeah, but they take an absolute dive in in an important match. Like that's like a match you you get three points. Where would they be right now? Let's check the standings. Mm-hmm. Three points, they'd be in eighth place above Santos Laguna. You know, so yeah. I mean, they're still in really a playoff spot. A whatever. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they'd be, they'd be, they'd be up there, whatever. They'd be three points, four mm-hmm. points away from topping club America who had an awful, disgusting loss this week. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that disgusting loss. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's not, not good is what I not will great. say. Not, not, Lovely. not great is what I, is, that's what I like to say all the time is not, not great. A loss, um, they they sorry just checking this okay they were least on the road they didn't lose at home which is good so? but it doesn't matter it, they should have won it it, matter. You know, there's really no excuse for this one and no, that's all there I'll really say. Isn't. 
Okay. Well, there is really no excuse for it. It's sad because we were seeing an uphill um, trajectory for them, especially with the development of their new head coach. And they tanked that. They absolutely tanked that. Yeah. So and, very and it was just, they, they took the lead and then they gave up a late goal in stoppage time and then started like literally it was 15 minutes that the game just turned on its head. And that was, that was that. So that's all they needed to break down your defense. 15 minutes. That's sad for you. 15 minutes. So we move on to other losses. Yes, Club America lost 3-0 to Pachuca, reigning champions of Liga Mekis. Ha. They won last season. Okay, first of all, um, I think <laughs> this game... <laughs> oh, not even on International Women's Day can Gino be nice to me, but it's fine. Um, yes, that's a fair point. Wow, that's a fair point. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I'm kidding. sorry. No, just kidding. I'll you be, can I'll hate be on nice. us. It was a 3 0. No, it was a 3-0 loss. We deserve that. But I will say that the scoreline does not accurately reflect what happened on that field. Um, yes, it took Pachuga about three or four minutes to get that first goal and then score again um five minutes later. Yeah, we love that. Uh yep. But the refereeing was terrible there was one call so um club america scored that was called offside no and then the second goal the first one i'll give it to them that was accurate refereeing it was offside sure the second goal though i'm going to need you and everybody listening to watch that highlight the ball came from luis chavez pachuca to henry martin and then he scored and and they said it was offside it literally can't be offside. It came from, like, it came from your opponent. That doesn't, that's not how that works. So that was called offside. Very, very Did it get passed back? Did it get, sorry, I didn't see this one. Did it get yeah, passed back? Yeah, it was back, passed back it... by, Luis, by Luis Chavez. And Henry Martin took control, and he found the back of the net. And they called that offside. Because they, from from what I remember, um, they went to Vieira to check, and they found that Luis Chavez didn't deviate the ball. But he did. He, like... He did deviate it, and it was he touched it, and he, that was that. That's just shouldn't have been. Um, granted, they still lost, but it should have been a less embarrassing scoreline, like two one at that point. And after two disallowed goals, it becomes a mental game, and I I think it took an emotional hit to the team, and and they lost three zero. Mm-hmm. Granted, Pachuca is a great opponent, the great rival, like they've been doing really well this season, living up to expectations, getting Alvarez, doing so well. Even at the loss of Nico Ibañez to Tigres, Pachuca is handling things well. So I'll accept the loss, but it is a very deceiving scoreline. Now, I distinctly remember when I was complaining about the referee for Cruz Azul, you said you can't use the referee as an excuse. So why does it change with Club America? I do you don't not remember recall. it? I'm sure you can find it. I don't recall <laughs> I do not recall. <laughs> I choose not to comment. Um, I choose, yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's definitely. I, I think you're right when it comes to the mental toughness after having two goals disallowed. It's always difficult. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something that 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 is always difficult. But I mean, like you said, Pachuca. I mean, they took it by the reins. Like took the bull by the horns. Like right away. You know, they yep. they four minutes in, put the ball in the back of the net. I mean. In contrast to what we were talking about, Cruz Azul, I mean, it only took 30 minutes for Pachuca to score three goals. So, you know, it's like that's yeah. that's a problem, you know, from a from yeah. a Club America perspective. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Club America get yeah. their first loss of the season. We'll see how they rebound now and uh, moving forward. Yeah, and I hope um, Dan Ortiz, the head coach, really switches out Oscar Jimenez, the goalkeeper. It was extremely disappointing from his end. Um, he's been fighting for that starting role being a substitute to Memo Choa. Now he finally gets that spotlight and he messes up so badly on those two first, on the first two goals um, to the point where in the second half, anytime he had the ball, he was booed by home fans. Like they were playing at the Estadio Azteca and fans would just boo Oscar Jimenez. That has to be just absolutely heartbreaking for him after waiting so long to play. And even in, like, I remember watching, again, it's just a, you know, it is the biggest tournament in all of Mexico, the Copa for Mexico. Um, I remember when watching Club America and that when Oscar Jimenez was in goal for them there after um, Ochoa left and whatnot. Um, 
he just doesn't look comfortable in net a lot of the times. Yeah. Like he doesn't look like he's comfortable in his own shoes doing what he's been supposed to be doing, know, being paid to do for 20, 10 years, 15 years. So yeah. um, he doesn't look comfortable. And that's the first thing I noticed. One of the big, first big things I noticed about club America in net uh, when he's in net, he, they just didn't look comfortable. And um, you know, I think maybe there might need to be a goalkeeping change because you know, this can't keep happening if they want to, you know, march up the table and get into one of those top four spots and get a buy. Yeah, and I mean, Club America has the option. Malagón is sitting right there. Absolutely great choice. They signed him. The whole point was for him to play and become an up, like, up-and-coming figure. Um, third goalkeeper for the national team. Um, we'll discuss briefly um, Diego Goya's first call-up and first roster for the Na- um, Nations League matches coming up in March. But Malagón did not make it. Not surprising because he's not playing. Hasn't but played. Yeah. I think I, along with all other Club America fans and Tan Ortiz, was waiting for Oscar Jimenez to get that yellow card so that technically he wouldn't be allowed to play next game. And that embarrassing, we have to switch the goalkeeper, wouldn't have happened. But it did not. He did not receive a yellow card. So I hope to see Malagón. And I hope that Tan Ortiz can make that distinction because... Jimenez really just doesn't um, belong at goal there. So, yeah. And sadly, but title contenders Chivas defeated Santa Laguna 2-0. It was very disappointing. Santos' defense, once again, absolutely lacking, forcing Carlos Acevedo into the most uncomfortable situations as a goalkeeper to the point where he was visibly upset after that second goal because he could not believe his eyes and what the back line had done. But Chivas looking really, really good without Alexis Vega, who's close to a comeback. So, yeah. Really hitting their stride. Really hitting their yeah, stride really now. Are. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, on a Santos side of things, they get the win last week, and then this week come back into losing ways. From a Shiva side of things, this is they're unbeaten in seven games now. They've only lost yeah. one game all season. Uh, they have only only even tied three yeah, other games. Well. So they're 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 doing very well without Alexis Vega, which we thought was going to be an issue after that first match uh, when he yeah. went because I think it was the first match when he went down. Um, yeah. But they've looked really really good, and um, that's huge for them. I mean, that's their. They're they're kind of you know just motoring through this schedule right now and and they seem to be picking up confidence um, each and every day each and every game so massive yeah. and then once they get Alexis Massive. Vega back it's it's only going to get better better so yeah um, a new leadership in, did the team very well yeah and they're they're in they're in third right now and only four points off of that first spot so um, they've looked really really good in a, in a, in a situation where we weren't sure if they were going to be that great. Yeah. Um, kind of wrapping up before we finish, Diego Coca called up 34 players to the first Mexican national team call-up of the year. Some highlights that he included, obviously, Carlos Acevedo, Memo Choa, Hector Herrera, and Andres Guardado officially not on the roster, which was, I think, a great step towards that generational shift that fans were looking for. Julian Araujo, who we know left to Barcelona, is back in the roster. So that was extremely exciting. Marcelo Ruiz, a young figure. De La Rosa, young figures. So several new youngsters, and we'll get all into it when we have our Nations League episode and after the U.S. Men's National Team have their roster um, announced, we'll get all into it. But important to acknowledge that Diego Coca is listening to what the fans want and understanding what the national team needs. Santi Jimenez in the call-up. No Rogelio Funes Mori. Several changes made, necessary changes, but it's exciting to see new leadership take control of the Mexican national sure. team after the World Cup disaster. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like they're moving in a certain direction and, and moving away from certain players and doing things that I think a lot of uh, the Mexican national team supporters want. So, um, yes. you know, it's always good to see new faces, especially when you're at the beginning of a World Cup cycle when there's, you know, it's just Nations League. You don't have much to worry about. It's good to get those guys in, getting competitive matches in uh, to make sure they're ready when it comes time to lace it up for a, like, very important match. So um, yep. definitely a, a good sign for the Mexican national team that they're bringing in these these types of players. 
Very exciting. Um, just before we finish also, don't forget tomorrow we're doing a Twitter Spaces to preview match day three for MLS yep. and touch a little bit upon what happened with the Vancouver Whitecaps tonight. So stay tuned. As always, follow us on social media. Our show is on YouTube. And yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.